The views expressed on this podcast are those of the participants, not of Reuters News. So one can't rule out a problem in the banking sector or somewhere else. But I don't think that anticipation of the potential tail risk is going to deter the monetary authorities from doing what they think is necessary to get inflation down. What did the Federal Reserve get wrong before the current inflationary spiral? In this exchange, I sit down with Don Cohen, former vice chair of the Federal Reserve, to talk about central bank's mistakes, bond yields, and much more. Welcome to The Exchange. I'm Francesco Guerrera, Global Economics Editor for Reuters Breaking Views in London. Today, I'm chatting with Don Cohn, Senior Fellow at Brookings Institution and former number two at the Federal Reserve during the 2008 financial crisis. He explains what the Fed got wrong before inflation spiked, why bond yields are surging, and how the decoupling between US and China will affect the global economy. Well, Don Cohn, thank you for joining us. Great to be with you, Francisco. Well, I want to start from a, from a paper you co-wrote in August for Brookings, uh, in which you talked a little bit about what you said was a, well, a big mistake by the Federal Reserve uh, uh, in, uh, in 2020. T- t- tell us a little bit about it and what you, what you thought that did to the future of monetary policy. So in uh, 2020, the, in 2019 and 2020, the Federal Reserve undertook a re-examination of the way they conduct monetary policy, the frame, what they call the framework for conducting monetary policy, in light of their experience from 2010 to 2019. Mm-hmm. And that experience was marked by very low nominal interest rates because the real interest rates had been depressed by uh, the balance of saving and investment around the world yep. and by low inflation. And one of the concerns was that with low nominal interest rates, if there's a negative shock that hits the economy, then they get pushed to zero yep. as they were in 2000 and as we were, because I was inside the Fed at the time in 2008 and they did again in 2020. And having policy pushed to zero limits the amount of extra uh, counter cyclical policy you can do and puts a downward bias on being able to hit your inflation and employment targets. So they said we need to, there was a lot of discussion in mm-hmm. academia and among central banks about the limitations that the effective lower bound puts and how to counter that. They uh, changed the framework for policy making, the strategy and goals of policy making to uh, put some counter countervailing upward biases in their policy making towards inflation to counteract that downward bias. Yeah. They also saw in the 2010-2019 period a time when they were raising interest rates from 2015, 2016, 17, 18. And they raised interest rates because they thought the labor market was so strong it would feed through to higher inflation above their 2% target eventually. But in the event, the unemployment rate was able to drop lower than they thought. Mm -hmm. They got very little extra inflation for that. So they said, we think we made a mistake. And they tried to correct the framework for that. So what the framework didn't, the new framework did not encompass or even envision 
the right. kind of inflation shock that we got post-COVID yeah. with the disruptions to supply yeah. and the increase in demand for particular goods that were in short supply, but also because demand was supported so much by fiscal and monetary policy. Mm -hmm. So the new framework wasn't really adapted to the circumstance they found themselves in. So the, because the new framework, in, in a nutshell, was, was designed to make it easier to generate inflation, to, that's, to that's, create a policy framework where the Fed could find it easier to generate inflation, and actually to create more employment, to really push employment towards this mythical full employment, right? Uh, yes, and, and to take account of the fact that they didn't know where full employment really was, Mm -hmm. And because the experience was if you push through what you thought full employment was, you got very little right. adverse inflation out of it, they could keep testing that. So they would react in the new framework. They said, we're not going to react if we think employment is too high, that might cause future inflation. We're not going to be preemptive about future inflation because our experience is we misjudged that right. in the past. Right. We will react if we think employment is too low. We'll push employment higher in order to get inflation higher. We won't, and we'll react if inflation's been low, below our target for a while. We'll have it above our target for a while in order to have it around 2%. In addition, an important mm -hmm. point yep. here is they implemented the new framework with a very aggressive um, uh very aggressive forward guidance on interest rates. So the new framework was announced in August of 2020. Mm -hmm. In September of 2020, mm -hmm. they said, we are going to keep interest rates at zero until we're at full employment and inflation is at least at two and yeah. Yeah. headed higher. So they would go into full employment with a negative real interest rate, potentially overshooting full employment. In the past, that there hadn't been much penalty for that, right. but in the new circumstances, that turned out to be inappropriate. And, and you say, I mean, for guidance for those people who don't know is when the when the central banks tell you what they're going to do, right? I mean, they, they give you a sense of what what is going to drive their decisions, right? That's the uh, particularly on on interest on, rate. on interest rate. So it, at when the interest rates already at zero, yeah. the way you get additional easing and drive additional demand is to tell people it's going to stay at zero right. for a while. That takes down longer term rates. And then to buy securities, so-called yeah. QE, that helps take down longer sure. term rates. So these are uh, unconventional policies that are done Proof. at the zero lower bound. And you said, you said just now, you said it turned out to be a wrong policy. Uh, do you have any sympathy for, when, for the time when they put it in place? Because it was before this massive inflationary spike, right? right? So when they put the new framework in place, I thought it was appropriate. So I did not right. call them out at that time. Right. Um, I didn't maybe fully understand the totality of the inflation biases that were built in. I think actually the policy problem arose more from the forward guidance on interest rates, right. which locked them into zero for a very long time until full employment mm -hmm. than the framework. So I think the two grew out of a similar mindset and yeah. a similar set of concerns, but the forward guidance really locked them into very expansionary policy, even as inflation uh, got going. And I think in the paper you argued that because of that, they had to move 
more aggressively. They have to to rise to raise rates much faster, and also essentially uh, give up on forward guidance because they had to uh, they could no longer hold themselves to the standards that they set in previous uh, situations. Right. So I think the giving up on forward guidance is not surprising, or they kind of. Uh, step back from right. the very right. exact forward mm. guidance. Once you start raising rates, once you're off the zero lower bound, mm. uh, you don't, it's the necessity for the very strong forward guidance isn't there because you can calibrate your short-term rate to achieve the amount of monetary stimulus or restraint that you're trying to get. It's when the short-term rate right. is constrained that the forward guidance yeah. is. So it's not surprising mm -hmm. that they step back from mm -hmm. Uh, the forward guidance as the short-term rate uh, increased. And so, I mean, we've now had this inflationary uh, episode, which was very severe. Uh, inflation seems to be coming down. What, what are the lessons for for the Fed in particular from this episode? I mean, is there anything they should have done differently? Could, they could do differently from now on. So they are, uh, they have said they will review their framework every five years. So that means there will be a framework review in 2024 with the results announced in 2025, presumably if they keep on mm -hmm. this, the five-year schedule that they started in uh, 2019. I think uh, there are a couple things that should be included in that framework review. One is they should start by thinking about the lessons learned from the last episode. Mm -hmm. So they may not agree with my co-author, Gowdy Eggertson, uh, Brown, uh, Professor Brown and I, our conclusions, but I think they ought to look carefully both at the framework and at the forward guidance and yeah. examine how it might be used differently. So I think they need to do a lessons learned. I would, I would make the framework more general than they made it. So okay. their framework was aimed specifically at that problem they encountered from 2010 to 2019 the slow recovery right. from the global financial yeah. crisis, yeah. the low yeah. interest rates. I think they ought to have a framework that's better adapted to a variety. We may get back to that situation. Right. Uh, I think it'll be a while, right. but we can't rule it out in the next five years, in the next six or seven years. So they need to be equipped for that, but they also need to be equipped for the other situation. And I don't think they, that wasn't part of the last framework. So yeah. I hope that the next framework review uh, comes the next framework comes out with uh, something that's more general and right. that can be applied and is tested by the Federal Market Committee, the Fed's policy making committee, against a variety of circumstances. This isn't aimed just at that. I also hope that the, even though it's not part of the framework, right. that they take the opportunity to look at the unconventional policies as they've been used over the really since 2000 and eight, the fall of 2008, both the forward guidance and the QE. Mm -hmm. What lessons can they draw? Mm -hmm. How should they be yeah. structured? As I said, I think the forward guidance was too tight, mm -hmm. constrained them for too long. Yeah. I can see the tension there because the tighter the forward guidance, the more effect you're gonna have on interest rates. That's what you want. Correct. You loosen it up and maybe you're, it doesn't pin interest rates yeah. as well as it otherwise right. would. But I think they need to, think about the types of flexibility that mm. you might need when unexpected developments occur. Yeah. It seems like, I mean, generally speaking, obviously from a position of much knowledge, but you know, they need to give themselves more optionality, right? I mean, they were really, bo they boxed themselves into a corner with this framework, which at the time may sound uh, 
plausible, but it turned out to be too, too tight. Yes, I agree with what you just said. Uh, well, I'm glad. Um, <laughs> so I, I want to ask you about the, the current situation. So we, we, we're meeting at a time when uh, there's been a, a big ramp up in U.S. bond deals, not, not just U.S. bond deals, um, also in Europe. Um, I'm curious uh, from your perspective as a former policymaker, how, how you see that and how do you think the authorities might respond to something like that? So I think the Federal Reserve will see that as um, helping uh, it accomplish its objectives, really, to bring inflation down. Mm -hmm. uh, tighter financial conditions should damp spendings, damper spend. Uh, That's less. because the borrowing cost goes So the, the borrowing, cost of money goes up. You don't need to do anything. The cost of money goes up. The dollar goes up. Exports and imports, uh, economic exports go down. The economy slows down. Up. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. The stock market goes down. People are less wealthy. Yeah. Real estate markets mm -hmm. are affected by higher mortgage rates. So, so all yeah. the standard mm -hmm. channels of monetary policy affecting the economy will be um, these. The changes in financial conditions that we've seen over the last couple of weeks, really last couple of months, but accelerating last couple of weeks will work through those channels. The forecast that the projections that the Open Market Committee members made after their last meeting saw rates having to go somewhat higher yeah. to accomplish their objectives. It's quite possible that with this adjustment in financial conditions, they won't have to go quite so high. I think it's important to uh, think about why the financial conditions might have adjusted, and I don't really have an answer here. It, um, but uh, to some extent, it was a response to the fact that demand has been resilient. Demand was stronger, even though the Fed raised interest rates by five plus percentage points. Yeah. Uh, the economy continued to grow well. Jobs continued to be plentiful. Um, pressures on labor markets moderated a little, but there was still still pretty strong demand for labor. Uh, and uh, I think they reacted to the unexpected resilience of the economy to higher rates, saying, well, rates might have to go a bit higher. Um, that actually is um, totally legitimate, right? So if demand is stronger, you want to you want to be than you thought you want to have tighter monetary policy. But an awful lot of the increase in rates seems to be in what people call the term premium, not the expected path of rates, mm -hmm. but the extra return that people demand for holding longer right. term assets right. that whose price might be at risk. And it's uh, really hard to figure out what's driving that. I yeah. think there's more uncertainty. Yeah. The political situation in the U.S. is uh, right. kind of chaotic right now. Yeah. That's not helpful. There's no news. It's very difficult to point to news that right. happened in the last couple weeks right. that drives this rate. The U.S. debt to income, uh, federal debt to income ratio has been on a rising trajectory for some time, oh, and wow. there wasn't any real news on that. Right. Uh, Japanese interest rates have been tending to rise for a while. So it's really hard to tell what the news is. I do think a lot of things kind of came together. Maybe there's some market dynamics in there. People got caught on the wrong side of positions that are have to unwind. Mm -hmm. And that contributed as well. I think it's extremely 
difficult to point to yeah. something that triggered the change in trajectory yeah. of, of yeah. long-term rates yeah. a few weeks ago. I guess, I mean, the, the, the flip side of what you just said is that such a sharp and sudden increase in, in rates could cause problems in the financial sector, right? So we have seen it recently in March in the US and uh, last year here in the United Kingdom. So is there concern there that, you know, there will be a blow up that actually forces the authorities, the Fed in particular, to take action? Well, I'm sure they're looking very, very carefully right. at what the consequences would be. And you can uh, imagine that part of the pressure on the banking system, say from this last March, was holding of longer term securities whose values dropped as right. interest rates rose. The banking system was taking, some banks were taking interest rate risk and they got burned as rates rose. Um, so I'm sure that the, the supervisors and the regulators from March on have taken a much closer look at that and have pressured the banks to do a better job mm -hmm. of managing their interest rate and liquidity risk. Um, so I, 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 it's, it's going to make that issue, whatever it was, I mean, it's going to make that worse. And you can imagine that the commercial real estate uh, value, the empty office buildings um, and the value of those office buildings to reprice them at the higher discount rate. Yep. That's a, that's going to that's not going to help the prices yeah. of those buildings. Yeah. So the losses are going to be more. But I uh, so one can't rule out right. a problem in the banking sector or somewhere else. Mm -hmm. But I don't think that anticipation of the potential tail risk yeah. Yeah. is going to deter the monetary authorities from doing what they think is necessary to get inflation down. Uh, I think it's really important to continue to make progress towards that 2% uh, inflation goal that's, that prevails in industrial, yeah. industrial yeah. countries. And you mentioned the resilience, perhaps unexpected resilience of the US economy to this massive rise in interest rates. And you were, of course, at the Fed during the financial crisis. Now, after that, uh, there was an ultra-stimulative monetary policy, but a fairly tight fiscal policy. Now, this time in the U.S., at the very least, there was a very, very stimulative fiscal policy uh, and a very tight monetary policy. Uh, as a policy mix, which one is better? Because obviously the politicians will tell us that this one is better, right? Just open the fiscal taps and see how the economy, uh, let the economy rip, right? But uh, Well, I think there are problems. There are problems with excess demand, right. uh, no matter what the origin. And the right. inflation was the product of right. both constraints on supply, particularly initially yeah. COVID-related constraints yeah. on supply against a shift in demand towards yeah. goods, yeah. whose supply was goods and houses, actually, yeah. uh, whose supply was limited by various uh, issues, uh, issues associated with COVID and shipping and all that kind of thing. And then labor markets got very tight and that yeah. that started to feed in mm -hmm. into inflation. I think um, the problem on fiscal policy is the long run trajectory right. of the debt. Mm -hmm. Monetary policy is a much more flexible mm -hmm. instrument than mm -hmm. fiscal policy mm -hmm. and 
usually monetary policy adjusts to what the fiscal authorities are doing. They're looking at income distribution, they're looking at debt to income, they're looking at lots of things, in addition to stimulating and supporting households, which they certainly were through COVID. Um, but I think it was really up to the monetary authorities to see that the opening up of the economy with, with vaccines in 2021 and the particularly the extra stimulus that came from the Biden uh, administration uh, fiscal stimulus there was going to push demand against this limited supply and create inflation. I think the Fed uh, saw this issue. They thought that the forward guidance they had already uh, enunciated for interest rates kind of take care of it. It turned out the forward guidance wasn't well conceived. So the combination of the fiscal demand and the bad forward guidance, I think you had both monetary and fiscal policy contributing to the inflation to the inflation pressures. Uh, one other thing that people talk about when they talk about inflation, future inflationary pressure is the the process known as deglobalization. De so the decoupling between the two big blocks, East and West, China and the US. Uh, where, where do you stand in that debate? I mean, do you think it's real? Do you think it will have inflation implications and uh, as the global supply chains redraw re re themselves? I think there certainly has been a shift in emphasis from efficiency and cost to resilience. Yeah. And that's going to affect the, the cost of production. In addition, you have the strategic issues between the West and China and the uh, aggressive nature of the Chinese regime uh, and concerns about that. So I do think there are aspects of the evolving global trade that will uh, at a maybe not add the cost, but you've been getting cost reductions from the optimization yeah. of these supply chain. So you've had favorable supply effects really 20, the 1990s, the opening up of Eastern Europe and the fall of the Berlin Wall, the Iron Curtain, and then the bringing on of China and the WTO in the early, early 2000s have been favorable supply shocks. At a minimum, you won't have those favorable supply shocks. Mm. So I do think the cost pressures will be higher than they've been, that's not an excuse for living with higher inflation. Right. So the, the central banks can achieve their inflation objectives. It may not be as comfortable. They may not, the unemployment rates may not be quite as low mm -hmm. as they mm -hmm. were mm -hmm. in the previous decade or two when the favorable shocks, but they've, they've, got, to, they've got to hit those objectives because it's clear that it's uh, very difficult to live with inflation, creates a lot of uncertainty, it muddies the signals from, the, from mm -hmm. the market. People hate inflation, they don't like it. Economists sit there and say, well, this adjusts and that adjusts, and you know, in the end, it's the real values that count, it's not these nominal things, um, but that's not the way the public sees it. So uh, I think Alan Greenspan defined price stability as Inflation that was low enough that households and businesses didn't have to think about it. Yeah.
Yeah. And I think we need to get back to that point. What exactly that rate is, I don't know. I know Olivier Blanchard and others said maybe it's three, not two, yeah. but it's got to get back to that level in order to free up households and businesses to make the kinds of decisions they need to make about saving and investment. Seems like a perfect uh, place to end this conversation. Thank you so much for being with us, Mrs. Cohen. Thank you for having me over, Francesco. Thanks for tuning in. This podcast was produced by Oliver Tashlish in London. Subscribe to The Exchange and our sister podcast, The Views Room, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whenever you like to listen. Catch up with more of our views at breakingviews.com or on the X social media site, where our handle is at breakingviews. I'm Kim Vanell. Join me every morning for a roundup of what's happening at home and around the world. From the front line in Ukraine. Extraordinary how these people adjust and uh, even laugh when you take cover. To the heart of U.S. politics. When Trump said that he expected to be arrested, it seems like he was trying to get ahead of the story. We bring you everything you need to know in 10 minutes. For your essential daily briefing, follow Reuters World News wherever you get your podcasts. Podcasts.